Okay, I'll take your answer, but I'll go a step further. Would you say then if there's more deer in a certain patch of mountains or a certain, you know, you know, south side of this mountain range or north side of this mountain range or, you know, the deer, you know, there's a lot of deer, a lot of javelina, there's going to be more lions or, or do they naturally spread themselves out? I mean, there's got to be some, if you were to just say, we're going to go to the Galeros sure. today sure. or we're going to go, I mean, are you going to just try and go kind of where you can get around good and you know that there's lion sign or I guess I'm trying to, you know, you're no, saying I, I, lions can be anywhere, but is there, you know, do, do you find them around high densities of javelina, high densities of deer? Is there a more common place for them? Sure. And, and, and that only makes sense that, you know, if there's a higher prey base for them, that area is going to be able to support more lions. You know, people ask me that all the time. What, what, are there more lions down here than up in Northern Arizona? I, for the most part, I want to say yes, but then, man, Randy and I will hunt around up there and find just as many lions as, as there are down here. But I think on average, we get we get more rain, so this this type of habitat tends to support more prey species, from you know rats to all the way up to you know shoot. There's elk living down by Wilcox, so there, there's a, the whole range of species. So I think the lions can can tend to live a little closer together down here. But you know they, I get asked that question by deer hunters well the lion moved in you know a, my buck's not coming in on camera anymore and the lion must have got him and that lion there's probably always been a lion in that cameron that canyon um shoot that giant buck i don't know if you saw that mark hardy just killed on this early hunt that 130 that a monster yeah just un- unbelievable whitetail and mark's been on that, that buck for three years and for all three years he's been hunting that buck there's been a lion on that camera whether it's the same one, I, I'm, I know there's been at least a Tom and female in there and he's always, you need to come in here and get this lion out. You know, he's going to eat my buck and there's a chance he could have, but shoot, that deer got that big and those, those big deer and elk and, you know, they, they survive every year living with those lions. They, they, they know how to survive them and they, they don't wipe out everything. I, that, that, that's one thing that always drives me crazy is and we, it, it, a lot in the ranching community is that lions are these evil, evil creatures and we need to wipe them all out and they're going to eat all the deer and eat all my cattle. And I just, that's just not the reality of it. Those lions have been around for 11 million years. I think they've had enough time to eat everything on the planet if they were going to. They're just, it's just not, not how it works. Do lions eat each other? And if so, why? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I want to say eat each other, but they dang sure will compete and and kill each other and um randy had a is pretty it true wild that a i'm sorry go ahead i would say randy, randy had a pretty wild story about five years ago he was trailing a tom and a female track down a canyon about a mile or so all of a sudden his dog started barking treed but it was kind of a, a funny tree bark he said and I, I wasn't with him he was by himself and he rides up to that tree and in the top of this tree jay is a dead female mountain lion Oh my goodness! And, and so his dogs are kind of acting treed, and he can see the line. He's he can't figure out what's going on. He he can't figure it out, and he finally ties the dogs up, and he climbs up there and and pulls her down, and she is bit through the top of her skull by a, a tom lion, and so Randy, of course, was pretty side sidetracked by it, and so he he called the game warden just to document it, and 
just so he wouldn't get in a pinch, you know, that he killed the lion. So that game warden came back in there with him the next morning, and Randy brought his dogs, and that tom lion had come back to that tree, and his dogs picked the track up, and they ran it a couple canyons over and caught the tom. And, and, oh, my uh, goodness. So it, it was a pretty, pretty wild story, but whether they were breeding or it was – you know, and, and there's there's lots of biology that's been done on them why why they fight and tom lions will kill other other lions offspring they say to get the female to come back into heat so he can breed her again. I mean, I, I think a lot of cat species do that, but um, that that specific instance that's you know pretty pretty unreal and it it, it happens and um, yeah, I mean, I I would wonder if they were, you know, running from the dogs and that thing was, you know, the Tom was finally getting pissed and he just reached over and thought, well, if I kill her, I'm going to get away. I wonder if they, you know, do you think they're that smart to say, well... No, I and we get asked that all the time. And you you hear lion hunters say, oh, that... that and I'm not saying lions don't get dog smart after they've been caught and stuff. I just... They don't, they don't have the ability to reason. That's what separates humans from animals is that... that they got instinct and that's what keeps them alive. But if they had the ability to reason that, Oh, you know, if I do this, then I'm going to get away from the dogs. We'd never catch a mountain lion ever, 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 you know, and and there's, there's lots of, lots of good lion hunters that say these lions can withhold their scent or control their scent. That's a pretty hard one to believe, but I've, I've had a few instances where something's happened on the track and it does not make any kind of explanation besides that, the lion chose to control its scent but then i always go back to the logic that well if he could do that he just do that all the time so then he'd never spook a deer or he'd never leave scent for a hound to follow him and um i i just don't think best we can figure on that instance was that lion and that the tom and the female were fighting for whatever reason and he bit her pretty bad and she ran up that tree to get away and it must have just been a mortal mortal bite and she died in the top of that little pinion tree and i think we got pictures of that on our, our our instagram somewhere so yeah that's like i said jay every time we think we are just rounding the corner on figuring something out it's we get shown another example of um what is and what isn't for every mountain lion that you chase for and and well let me back up for every lion that you chase how many of them are a tom, and how many of them are a female? Oh, that's that's pretty pretty random, Jay. I don't. I, I'm fifty fifty. About yeah, it's probably close to fifty fifty. And in some areas, you might hunt where there's a female and two yearlings, and she's got two yearling females. So you might run all those three females for a couple months and not trail a tom, but a tom might come through there. I we all I think we all tend to try to find the toms they're easier to trail they leave more scent and more sign and of course they always look cooler when you catch them and you know everyone wants to catch a big tom and and i i no doubt it's easier for the hounds to smell they're just bigger smellier bigger bodied animals so um we i think we tend to target the toms we try to stay after them and go hunt where there's toms but inevitably we bump into female tracks um, you hear a lot, or I hear a lot, that houndsmen catch females and they let them go. Um, why is that? We let them go all the time. I love letting them go. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> tell tell make, me why. I make, I, make, I make enemies with all kinds of hunters that way and ranchers, but I just don't. Jay, it's pretty, it's pretty hard. I, I see 
how much time and effort you guys put into your deer and your sheep and and I guarantee you and most true sportsmen are that way is they just if you if you're only motivated by the killing I I feel really bad for you I, I feel that you're missing the whole point of the outdoors and hunting and get to enjoy everything and and most of the time Jay the dedicated houndsmen are you're usually either by yourself or with another lion hunter or a good friend and and we just don't I know it seems so crazy to deer hunters that think we let these things go but I just it makes no sense a from a guide's perspective because if we just whacked every lion we caught that we're just gonna have to hunt that much harder when we got a paying client here the next time we go out even if we don't have a client to train our dogs we're gonna have to hunt that much harder for another track to 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 put the dogs on and train dogs to me it's just working totally against against yourself I I don't I don't have as near as many issues as, as killing toms because they they seem to be so fluid and moving and always coming and going that it doesn't take long for a new one to move in but those females are they're they're a lot different there's there's areas up by where Randy lives where the lion density isn't as high and you you kill a female out of there it might be a year before another one shows up to kind of take over that little range down here not not as much but it, it still can happen um, so I just to me, I don't, I don't see any merit in just killing them just to kill them. If we, we got a paying hunter along, and even then we try to select, be selective toward the toms. But is it, is it a lot like being a trophy hunter and you know seeing a ninety-inch buck and saying, well, I'm going to let this one go, and I'm, I'm searching for something, you know, one ten or better, and you then bet. you see another one that's like a hundred and three, and you're like, man, that's a real nice one, but let's keep hunting, and then. You end up burning your tag and you don't find 110 and you're just tickled pink that you had a great hunt. Is it the same kind of thought? It's the same. It's, it comes from the same area. It's just that you love the hunt. You love being out there and the challenge of it. And But but maybe not as much as putting the emphasis on the individual animal because, shoot, we've, we've caught big old gnarly trophy toms and let them go. I've, I've had people with me and we let them go and, and just – just, and that's to each his own, Jay. You know, absolutely, it's legal to kill every lion you catch if you have a tag. But it, it's just, and and anymore, honestly, that's kind of what I was hitting on with the trail cameras. There's a there's a situation that a lot of houndsmen are aware of, whether they look at it as good or bad. That's happening right now. And so over the last ten years, the technology came out with, the, and you may have heard of them, the the trail cameras that send the picture directly to your phone. Yeah. So we, we call them cell phone cameras or cell phone yeah. trail cameras. Yeah. Jay, they are hands down the hardest thing on lion, the lion population right now. In the past, it's always been the snows that were hard on lions or whitetail hunters glassing up lions and shooting them, which is, which is, that's awesome for a whitetail hunter. If he's got a lion tag in his pocket, that that's part of the hunt, you know, but now these lions are having to compete with a technology that to me is just unacceptable. And there, there's a group of us houndsmen right now trying to work with game and fish and get these things outlawed because they are, they're absolutely just putting a hurt on these lions. And I, I've used them Jay, so I can speak from experience how lethal they are. And it's, it's an ethical thing to me. It's a, it's a absolute terrible way to kill a lion. And there are guys you know, the majority of the houndsmen I know in this state, Jay, use them, and they are just knocking these lions down. And 
not saying they're going to knock them down to extinction, but it's, it's, to me, it's a total unfair. And I don't want to say advantage because everyone, you know, has got their own tactics they use, but it's just, a, it's a super unethical. And with our technologies advancing, we got to just be careful as sportsmen where, where we're allowing our, our laziness to take us. And that's basically what it is. I, like I said, I, I hunted a Tom not far from my house for three or four months one fall and just could not guess him right. I could not, I knew where he was coming through. I could just never follow him or never guess where he was going to be and come in right behind him to get that catchable track. So the lazy side got the best of me and I ordered one of them cameras and I hung it up. And within a week that, that sucker walked through, get a text message sitting at my house load the dogs up and I'm there within an hour and they caught him within half a mile, you know, and yeah, you're excited because you caught a lion. And if that's your focus, I guess, but I, I just, the more, the more you hunt and the more time you put into it, that they just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very, very um, unethical approach to, to hunting, you know, and technology, as you know, with our optics and everything, it's going to keep making hunting quote unquote easier, but, there, there comes a time where it's, it's, there's a reason game and fish outlawed will call hunting for lions. And that that's when you have a lion treed and you pick up the phone and call someone to shoot it. So that's always been illegal when there's money involved for guides. But over sure. the last few years, they made it illegal period. So if I'm out hunting, I just can't call my brother-in-law to come shoot the lion just to shoot it. They made that. And to me, these cameras are no different. You're no one's even present in the field. You know, that, this camera's just sitting there on a tree. There's no one, no hunter around, and the hunter sitting at his house in the middle of the city is getting information on, on a device that's directly related to the take of game. So it's, it's a slippery slope, and I think I think it, something needs to be done about it. I, and I have guys when I talk to them about it, they argue, well, it's no different than you know Jay Scott sitting on a hill glassing up a mountain lion and calling his buddy Floyd or Andy to come to come run it down. I said, well, it is different because. Jay was out there hunting and he saw something. Yeah, there was a cell phone involved. It was just the world we live in, but it, it's it's totally different than having a lone device sitting out there. And, and it's let me hard. Ask you, yeah, let me ask you a question. Um, you're not necessarily saying that the cell phone camera is the problem. What you're saying is because you can act very quickly on that information, that's the problem, meaning... You you would be I assume okay if cell phone cameras were were okay, but you could not say hunt a lion for 24 or 48 or 72 or whatever. There could be a time frame where you could get the photo and hey I can't hunt there for 48 hours. And what you've told me before is you know six to eight hours. You're well behind the lion. Would you be more okay with that, or do you want to see it? totally outlawed i mean is, sure, is there an acceptable timeline that you would say and and you bring up some great points so i'm curious your opinion here yeah yeah and it's it's a slippery slope for sure it's a, that gray area that all these you know the the whole drone thing they they won't let us you can't have a drone typically technically an aircraft you know you can't if you want, if you were out on your one of your sheep hunts, Jay, and you wanted to get some video of a sheep with your drone, that's illegal. You can't. You're just getting video of them, but it, it doesn't matter. It's an air, so it, that's another thing that I think we're still kind of 
getting a feel for what what we should allow and what we shouldn't. But so yeah, the hardest part about catching a lion with dogs, Jay, is finding that catchable track. And for the most most of us, that's what we enjoy is the hunt for that track because you'll you'll bump on old scent here and oh there was a lion here yesterday morning and they can kind of smell it or he was here 12 14 hours ago and they can trail it a little bit but we're not going very far and then all of a sudden when you hit that catchable track it's like it's like deep sea fishing you're just trolling and you finally get that strike and it's exciting i I don't know how much you've been out with the dogs but you're you're obviously more than welcome to come with us anytime but it's a pretty pretty exciting hunt especially when you've had the long hot hard days of nothing so to get that catchable track that's that's 90 i shouldn't say 90 but it's a big big percentage of the hunt and so you've got this camera sitting there that totally eliminates all of that. It takes the whole hunt out. You just most dogs that have been on any kind of any kind of game can catch a two, three hour old lion track. It's just you just drive up to that camera and dump the dogs out. And so so yeah, we've discussed that. Is it a is it a okay, we we don't allow it within twenty four hours or you don't allow it at all for lions and bears. Bear hunters are using them too and it's those cameras originally came out, Jay. I don't know if the companies foresaw that angle coming, but it was for these guys that, you know, live way away from where they're hunting and they don't want to spend all the fuel driving back out there so their cameras can check in remotely, so to say. I, I can see that, you know, and I, I, I can see those guys' argument. But And for a deer hunter, you know, for you, you put one up on one of your deer spots and your big buck comes in and you're sitting at your house that evening and it sends you a picture there. He's like, okay, he's there now realistically you're not going to drive out there with your gun and your binos and glass them up and shoot them it's just not not that applicable for that but for the scent aspect of it when you're hunting with scent dogs that are following by scent the freshness of it it's it's absolutely a totally different game so i i'd like to see them not be used at all for you you can't pursue a lion or a bear off of them or anything you're running with with the dogs. you know and, and that might be a way to do it they they only outlaw them to the hunt, hunting of dogs, but it, it's and it's not going to solve it, Jay. It's only going to keep the honest people honest, and because the guys that are using them now to wipe these lions out, they're gonna they're gonna say, "Oh, I just had it up for deer, you know, and a lion happened to walk by. I wasn't, I didn't." So it's, but to me, it's it's an issue that needs to be addressed, and and we're we're doing our best to to work on it. And and there's a few states already that have outlawed them, so hopefully it'll as far as lion and bear hunting, but, and it might be easier for them, Jay, just to outlaw them in general. And when we first brought it up to game and fish, they were so against it. They said, absolutely not. We'll never get rid of trail cameras. It's just too hard. And I said, I said, you guys, this is a totally different beast. The regular trail camera, heck we use them. We love them. They, they help you pattern an animal. Yeah. They're a technological device, but they don't provide the advantage that these, that these provide. To me, it's uh, you're bringing up a whole nother issue, and it, you know, I see it in fishing, I see it in hunting. Everybody is at a certain different level in their, you know, wanting to catch every fish in the pond, uh, wanting to keep every fish in the pond. To no, I only keep the ones over certain size, or you know, wanting to shoot every coyote that they come across and kill them all and then it's no i only want to shoot the you know the the mature coyote or you know the mature bobcat or whatever it may be the the mature deer and then there's the people that they have to fill their deer tag every single year 
and I'm going to kill a deer and maybe they're doing it because they're eating the meat and that's what they live off of. And then there's people that they just have to kill a deer every single year. And I think you've kind of hinted, I'm curious about your opinion. I assume there's houndsmen that it's all about the kill and the success of it is, did I catch a lion and, and kill it or not? And if I didn't, and then I would assume the more mature, what I've seen in fishing and in hunting, the longer someone does it and the more that they do it, the more they realize it's the love of the game and the love of the sport more than the success photo and more than being able to say, you know, I, I trailed 32 lions this year and, you know, we killed 21 of them or, you know, it's, it's more than a stat. Thoughts? Yeah, Jay, you're, you know, you're right on. I, I think it's just a, and it's a very touchy, touchy topic to even hit on because, you know, the guy that doesn't want to kill everything that walks, he doesn't have any more of a right out there than the guy that wants to kill everything that walks as long as, you know, he's going about it legally. It, it's just, uh, I think it's how, how a lot of us were introduced to the to the outdoors and how we were raised. And But I, I remember one time when I was just starting hunting, I was, 14 15 and my buddies and I were going out quail hunting and we were shooting quail and rabbits and everything that moved and you know you don't know any better when you're a teenager and I remember my dad looking at me one day when we were out hunting and he says you know what son he says one day he says you're gonna you're gonna get over all that and just enjoy the hunting part of it and I had no idea what he meant at the time and and anymore I, I think I'm turning into that you know and I laugh about it thinking when he told me and I was like oh no I'll always enjoy this part of it but I, I just don't and so there's that whole aspect of it. And then, yeah, you, it's, it's men are involved, Jay. So there's egos involved. So naturally guys want to catch every fish in the pond and say they caught more fish and brought them home than you did. And, and lion hunting's no different. It's, you know, guys think that every, their, their success as a houndsman is measured by the number of dead lions they can have pictures taken next to. And to me, I, and, and the funny thing about it, Jay, is, two of the best houndsmen in the state, hands down, catch the fewest lions of any lion hunters I know. It's, it's, it's completely backwards from what you'd think. But if the dogs, if you're in it for the dogs and you have the right kind of genetics and blood and training methods with your dogs, you could shoot 50 lions out to them in a winter or two lions out into them in a winter. And the next winter when you hunt them, they're going to hunt just as hard and be just as good at dogs. It has, and and that could be a lot of it with lion hunters. They think, oh, I got to get my dog on a dead lion. I got to get my dog on a dead lion. We we got a dog right now, Jay, that's a three-year-old. She's seen one lion in a tree just because she's either hurt the day or she was on the other side of the mountain with the other lion hunter. You know what I mean? She's a three-year-old, yeah. so she's been out on plenty of catches. She just happened didn't happen to be at the tree, and she's one of our hardest hunting, most reliable lion dogs. And we have dogs that we show – 20 dead lions to with clients or whatever reason we end up taking them and they, they aren't any better for it. It's, it's not a, so I don't buy that. that it, oh, it makes better dogs. So I don't, I don't understand the, the, the thought process. And, and I've learned over the years, Jay, you're not gonna, you know, a man, you're not going to make everybody good. happy. Yeah. And, and you're not going to, you're not usually going to convince those people that it's wrong. It's just, there's, there's that kind of aspect of, how you were exposed to it and 
and lions are even even worse that they're just they've been such a just beat up species since you know for centuries because they eat people's calves and they eat people's deer and they compete with you know everything else so it's it's just a it's just a very strange subject but i i still think we can't lose sight of what's what's the ethical way to hunt and what's not and those technologies can go too far and that's that's one of them that that does well said let's take a quick break here I'm super happy to announce that the Go Hunt Insider has just launched the newest insider state, Oregon. Every state is different when it comes to units, draw process, and regulations, and Oregon is one of the most complex states to figure out. Like other states, you'll have the Go Hunt Insider filtering 2.0 to decide where to apply and hunt with filters for trophy potential, harvest success, weapon type, season dates, and a lot more. Oregon has 10 big game species and covers a total of 67 units. You will not only get an analysis of units, subunits, and seasons, but also species breakdown with the interactive graphs, plus a state profile that outlines how to apply and fees associated with applying in Oregon. Go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott to sign up and receive a $50 Kuyu gift card just for signing up. PhoneScope is a company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. It is simple to text photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. Get yours now by using the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E.com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Okay, Andy, I want to um, talk to you about, you, you touched on it, the attitude and the heart and the desire of your dogs, and each one has its own personality Tell us a little bit about your dogs as far as, and name them by name, which ones, you know, this one's a, a runner, this one's a, you know, I don't know all the terms, this one's a tracker, this one's got a good nose, this one's kind of a follower. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. So, I mean, that's that's the fun part about lion hunting is, is learning your dogs and being able to talk about them with people that understand. And, and, and it really helps to hunt hunt with other lion hunters when you think, you're reading dogs right and, and go hunt with someone else and kind of watch their dogs. And cause there, there aren't that many there, put it like this. There's only so many ways you can put a dog on a lion track. Jay, you can hunt from a vehicle and you find the track and then put the dog on the scent and encourage it to trail it. You can hunt free casting. It's called whether you're on horseback or foot, you're just hiking through the mountains with your dogs and they pick up the scent. So, so, so much of it is instinctual and people will say, well, how much of it's training? How much of it is the dog's breeding? And and that no no one knows. I fifty fifty. I don't I don't know. I anymore. Honestly, I think it's way more genetics. The dogs, the dogs that have started the easiest for me and us over the years have just done it so natural. I I, I have a young dog right now. His name's Chigger. He's a two year old. I got him from a guy. The dog sat on a chain till he was eighteen months old. The guy just didn't hunt him. He thought he was gonna, but he never did. And I had some similar blood to him. So I said, yeah, I'll try him. And Jay, within three lion tracks, not catches, tracks, that dog was trailing lions. 
like he just knows. He just it was just in his blood. It, it was just in it. And I I've had dogs. We've showed fifteen lions to like they caught them and we jumped them and or shot them out with hunters and the dog sitting there barking at it and then the next time the dogs strike and all the other dogs are hunting scent that dog goes over and just doesn't have any interest. It's it's just it's just all there's very like you said they all got their own personalities and individuals and the best. The best way I can describe it is they're, they're like a football team. They all they all got their job. It, it wouldn't do you any good to have if you have a pack of ten dogs to have ten strike dogs. It, I mean, they all are striking, but if you don't have that dog that's good at figuring out a lose, we call it, where the lion does something tricky or the scent disappears for whatever reason. So, you know, the dog's got to figure out leapfrog another hundred yards to pick the scent back up. Some dogs are really gifted at that. Some 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 dogs are a lot better at working through hard spots where that scent gets really tough and they can really grind on it and smell footprint for footprint where that lion walked, whereas some dogs don't have that kind of drive to do that. They want to run with their heads up and go look for it on the brush. And So, I, yeah, I, I have a little, a little of everything. I mean, not a little of everything, but I definitely have some dogs that do some things better. I have a an old dog named Robin. She's she's a nine year old and she's kind of a big fat round yellow dog, but she's kind of who I look to and lean to as far as if the dogs hit scent and they strike and you can't see a track, I kind of look to her because just because a dog will trail a lion doesn't mean he won't trail a fox or a ringtail cat or a bobcat. <laughs> you Quadamundi. know, oh, yeah, Quadamundi. Those dogs are they want to hunt so bad. You, it, it takes a lot of years of just honing them down that we're only hunting lions. So she's kind of my check dog. We call it. I have a, a little plot dog, a little black fat dog that everyone laughs at. They say, Oh, you hunt with a Labrador, huh? She, she's just an ugly little, it doesn't look like a leggy dry ground hound at all, but that little dog will catch most of my lions. She just, she doesn't, she doesn't hunt that hard for the strike, but when they strike it, everyone's playing catch up to her. She just takes it away for whatever reason. And she's a, she's a coon dog from Oklahoma. So it, it just, you just got to try them. And for whatever reason in her brain and her genetic makeup, she just really, really likes to run the lions. And, um, I have another dog named Lola. That's a little Walker dog that she's not real. She hunts hard as anything I got, but she, she doesn't, we say she doesn't say much. She won't, when she smells the lion scent and is trailing it, she's not barking, making a noise. So she's kind of, I got to watch her and I can just read her by her body language and how her tail's wagging if she has the track and, and if she does. But when it comes down to those last few hundred yards where they got to really put pressure on it to put the lion up a tree, she's usually right out in front, one of my one of my top two dogs. So, yeah, and, and over the years, your, your packs change and evolve and just, they say there's, there's, a hundred ways to kill a hound and the hound knows 99 of them. He just <laughs> dogs, dogs, you, we lose them in the most ridiculous ways. They get hit by cars, you know, and accidents I'm talking, they, they get some weird disease and they're, and so you got two, three, four years into these dogs and they die for no reason or go blind for no reason. And so it's, you constantly got to be building and recruiting and, and it's, it's kind of the fun of it. But Randy lost, I think he had eight dogs last winter and, he had three die for no reason, like three really good dogs. So he went from, you know, five or six really good trailing dogs down to three. And it, you know, that's a pretty rare example, but you know, one died 
she had heat stroke and we just it got too hot another one another one died for some unknown cause and another one was a little older so she probably had a cancer or something so it, it just but over the last year or so he started some other ones and kind of rebuilt and it's, it's it seems like just when you get on top something happens and you're you're back down so and you're always having to bring other dogs up because you're always you know you're it's inevitable that they're getting hurt or they're you're losing them and you're always having to bring fresh dogs up you bet have you ever been trailing a lion and the dogs make a loop and the lion comes running right back by you (laughs) um yeah that's happened we had a (laughs) like you're following up you're following up and here here the whole kitten caboodle comes running right by the whole pack train yeah randy and i were hunting up on the the rim of Oak Creek one winter and we were, it's, it's, I don't know if you've wrote, been up there and it, it's straight off the side of that yeah. thing. And we're right, we're riding along that rim and our best dog struck, but we always say with the dogs, especially lion hunting, if it's fast, it's trash. Meaning they don't, they don't run lions fast unless that lion's right there. So chances are better than not. If the dogs blow up and go nine Oh from the gate, it's probably not good. <laughs> you want to think it is because you're like, oh, this is exciting, but it usually ends up bad. And and that's so you got to really know what dogs to listen to and what dogs to read. And so our best dog blows off and they they drop right off the side of this. I'm talking almost straight up and down oak covered oak brush face. And Randy and I are sitting there scratching our heads, going, what is going on? And so we we tied the mules up about oh 20 yards apart. And we, we walk out to the edge of this canyon, and we can hear the dogs down there. We can hear the – I still got you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. We we can hear the dogs down there just bawling, and we can tell it's a hot track, whatever it is. But the right dogs are barking. So we're like, well, let's just, let's just see what happens. And they're about – oh, I bet they were five, 600 yards down this slope from us. And then all of a sudden we hear this huffing and puffing. And we're thinking, man, it sounds like a dog, you know, out of breath coming up through the brush at us. And here comes this big old female lion lunging and <laughs> leaping about as fast as she can come. And she's coming straight up this face. And Randy and I are just leaning against two pine trees watching this. And she ran right between the two mules when she topped out over that <laughs> ramp. And it was, it was pretty wild. We both looked at each other like we were aliens, you know, like what just happened? And, and it was pretty cool to see the dogs come single file line right behind her and they ran her down another half a mile down the rim and caught her and that that was i'll never forget that one that's awesome that that is cool to hear that uh oh man we've covered a lot of ground some just great stuff here you've been a great guest um other than lion hunting what other hunting would you say do you do you have a a number one after lion hunting that you prefer? Like if you said, you know, coos deer, elk, or mule deer, what's your next love? Well, just coming off my first elk tag in a decade, I'd, I'd have to say archery elk hunting is about as ultimate as it gets. But like like I mentioned, I, I got started in the outdoors bow hunting. So it, I, and I hunted traditional archery for about a decade and had a lot of fun doing that. And I, Every like I said, every winter I'll try to go out when the whitetail are rutting and the mule deer are rutting and go out with some friends and, and glass and try to we do a little spot and spook we call it. Usually what it ends up being, you know, we don't have too much success. But that, that bow hunting's pretty fun, especially down here as you know, where you can glass and see a lot of deer and 
that that sure is sure is a fun time for me. You're be, you're being humble and you're being a little sly as well. You're pretty hard on the deer yourself, uh, so I, I I know the truth about you and the deer. So um, you're, <laughs> well, anymore, you're being anymore anymore. I feel guilty shooting them because that could have fed another lion. So. <laughs> um, I want to end by asking you a question. Dar and I go to Mexico a lot and um, deer hunting, and I do Gould's turkey hunts down there as well. And I've I've seen a lot of lions um, out hunting in Arizona and all over the Southwest, but mainly I would say 75% of the lions. I've seen over 40 lions, and wow. I've I've only been lion hunting with Floyd Green with dogs one time. So I mean, all the lions that I've seen have been with my binoculars, but that's um, 75 or 80% of those have been in Mexico. And my question is, is it's probably deeper than what we can get into, but um, is it strictly that they don't hunt the lions as much in Mexico? Why we see a lot of lions um, in Mexico, they just don't, you know, they don't have near the hunting pressure in your yep, opinion. Yep. It must be, huh? But you guys also see a lot of deer down there too, so that whole mix well, that's, of lions. Well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> the, we see a lot of deer. deer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so, Jay. I think I don't think I don't think the general public hunting population is down there. I don't think lion right. hunting's the cool thing to do down there. Like it seems like it is up here. So everyone that can right. fill up a dog bowl full of food owns a hound. You know it. So I don't think they get the pressure. I don't, I, but I've always heard Jay and I, like I said, this is more of the rumor mill is a lot of those ranches down there use poison that we've outlawed here in the States to control the predators, mostly for their probably cattle, cattle crops. But at the same time, now that they know that there's this, this cash cow with the, with the whitetail hunts and the mule deer hunts down there. They, so, so to me, and I've been invited down there a few times. I just, to me, it's, it's just a very uneasy feeling knowing that, and even if the ranch you're hunting doesn't poison, it doesn't take much for that stuff to get, you know, broadcasted across the whole, the whole mountain range. Once, once that stuff gets into the animals and, um, gotcha. but, but so I, you're, I, you're worried about your, your dogs eating something that's got, if, 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 if one rancher in the range has been poisoning, you're worried about losing your dogs. That's what you're worried about. You, you bet, you bet. I, I don't, to me, it's not worth the risk. You know, it's, it's just not, I, I know that's kind of different from what the question you asked, but as far as why you guys are seeing more, I, I'd say, yeah, it'd have to be a hunting pressure thing. Cause the, uh, you know, Northern Mexico and Southern Arizona, it's, it's pretty much the same habitat. I, I don't, and we, we, we've caught a couple of collared lions along the border here over the last 10 years. And, and both of them, when we turned the collars into game and fish, we, we killed them with clients and they, gave us the data on the collars and both those lions were spending the majority of their year in Mexico. So they're, they're obviously, you know, doing just fine down there. So I, um, that, that would be my guess, but I, I can't say for sure. I have known the owners of the outdoorsmen's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. 
Go to Outdoorsmans.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any products. Real Game Calls featuring the Elk Reel. Real Game Calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy-to-master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle-tested on some of the hardest-hunted terrain on Earth. Check out ElkReel.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.ElkReel.com. Would it be a dream of yours to be in Southern Arizona and just be broadcasting, I think it's the word, and just riding along on your mules and your dogs and all of a sudden they hit a track and they're, they're barking treed and you get up there and there's a jaguar like what happened to Warner Glenn or do you not ever want that to happen? I mean, as huh. far as being able to see a jaguar, what are your thoughts if that would ever happen? Oh, yeah, of course. We all dream about that. And, and yeah, Warner, I think Warner's caught – two or three now from Arizona and he caught one in New Mexico over the last, last decade, 15 years. But the most recent one, Donnie Finn caught there in the Whetstone mountains. He caught that two or three years ago now. And that, that that's exactly how it happened. He, and of course he was excited and he got some once in a lifetime video. He had his 10 year old daughter along with it. And it's hilarious when I tell the story, cause she walked up to the tree and Donnie's losing his mind, of course. And, his daughter's name's Allie, and she's quite the hunter, and she was upset because it wasn't a lion, and she couldn't shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Donnie, oh, Donnie, Donnie, to hear Donnie tell that story, it's, it's pretty pretty amazing. And, yeah, we, we think of it, and there was there was the one, you know, that's always that always comes up just because I live right here where that, that jaguar had been living for the last few years. And, you know, we, we see sign of them. We just choose not to not to put our dogs out on his tracks just because it's a illegal. And, and I like knowing he's here, but if, you know, and if we're out free casting the dogs and they hit a track and we were to catch one, it'd be, you know, experience of a lifetime and take some pictures and, and let them go, you know? So I, yeah. Did Donnie I say the dogs acted any different? Like, were they even more hepped up or even more like on fire, like excited, or did the dogs not even pay attention that it's a, you know, black spotted cat. No, they, he didn't say they acted any different. He, he said, I think they baited up at first. It didn't tree right away. And he could, when he was walking up, riding up, he was a horseback on his mules. I think when he was riding up to it with the dog's bait, he could hear it roaring. And he, he said, I didn't know what I had on my mind or on, on my <laughs> end, you know, and, and then once the, it jumped, I guess, and ran again, then he saw it and or maybe they ran it again and he caught it in the tree, but he said he heard it roar a couple of times and he says it made his hair stand up and it's a, yeah, pretty, pretty wild experience for sure. And yeah, I'd shoot, that'd be a dream come true to catch one one day like that. Now, uh, a Jaguar wouldn't think twice about killing a Tom lion or would it be a heck of a fight in your mind? Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're pretty mean. They're pretty aggressive. They they say they're, I, as far as tangling with i don't think a tom lion would tangle with one i think they them being the and they're not that much bigger body wise they're you know big male jaguars and that much bigger than a big male lion they're just different 
little stockier and longer head, but I, I don't know much about how they, how they would be when they interact, but I'm assuming it'd be like a bobcat and a lion. They just kind of stay clear of each other. Well, man, it's been an awesome uh, day getting to talk to you here. I really appreciate you spending time sharing some of your knowledge and uh, look forward to having you on again. And congratulations on your elk. That was a beautiful bull that you, uh, Killed. So you you really enjoyed your elk hunt, listening to those elk bugle, huh? Oh yeah, it was a great. I, I appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, it was. It's been a long time waiting, but I, I know why we wait that long now. It's a it's a hunt like no other, and I know you you guys hunt them hard every year. And the years you get tags, it's it's pretty special. So yeah, it was a good time. That's great. Fantastic. Well. Uh, buddy, keep up the great work on the uh, Rimrock Outfitters Instagram page, and I know the listeners are going to really enjoy this episode, and uh, you're kind of right in your prime season uh, here for the next uh, four or five months for sure, and I, I know you slow down a little bit when it warms up, but uh, uh, we're, we're just entering prime time, are we not, for running lions? Yeah. Oh, you bet. We, we wait all year for these next these next four or five months, so we'll... We'll be we'll be hard at it, and hopefully hopefully even catch a few by the time it's all said and done. So we we appreciate you having us on, Jay, and you, you take care. Sounds good. And if anybody wants to get a hold of you, um, just go to Rimrock Outfitters on Instagram, or do you have another source of where people can reach you? Yeah, and, and we got a regular website too that's got a little more information about all of our hunts, and that's Rimrock Outfitters da- or I'm sorry, Rimrock Outfitters dot com and um, otherwise they could, yeah, just look us up. Perfect. On the internet. We're, we're around. Perfect. I'll have a link to your site and the Instagram page in the show notes. So, uh, I'll catch you later, Andy. And, um, what's your prediction for the big uh, game coming up ASU U of A here in another month or so? Oh, come on. Is there even a prediction on that? <laughs> 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 I don't know. We, 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 we go back and forth every year with someone and that it's the ASU fan and, I wish I could. I wish I could be in U of A's corner a little more, but man, they are. That's a hard team to be a football fan of. Yeah, well, um, it's always a dogfight, and I always enjoy the uh, the rivalry, and it's fun ribbing my buddies down. I was doing a podcast with your buddy Jake Lindsay and giving him a hard time, and I've got a whole handful of people. Of course, they never hear from me when U of A wins, but of course, I'm the sore lo- sore loser if we ever happen to, uh, or a sore winner if I if we ever happen to win. I definitely let everybody know. So you bet, um, you bet. Sounds good, buddy. God bless you. Uh, until next time, uh, keep after him. Okay. Sounds good. Take care. Guys, thanks for listening and supporting my podcast. If you would, please go on iTunes and leave me a comment and leave me a five-star rating. That helps our placement on iTunes. If you'd like to send me an email, you can at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. You can also follow along our adventures at jscottoutdoors.com, also on Instagram or Facebook. I'd like to thank my sponsors for supporting this podcast, GoHunt.com Insider, PhoneScope, The Outdoorsman's, and Real Game Calls.